Hi there. This is a special mini episode of the Pop Culture Salvage Expeditions. Steve and I recorded this episode from the Cape Town airport in a little airport cafe. There's a little extra background noise, and we didn't have Pat with us, but uh, those will, those both of those things will be back to normal in the episodes to come. If you're just finding us, we have a couple previous ex- episodes you may want to check out. There's one on TGI Fridays, where we went out to eat on a Friday night at TGI Fridays in Union Square in New York City. And then the episode prior to that is about Transformers Age of Extinction, the top grossing movie of 2014, also arguably one of the worst. Before we begin, I just have a couple quick favors to ask. One is we're just getting started with this podcast and we'd like to get the word out. One way you can help us is by telling any friends you have that you think might be interested in this. Let them know that it exists, how to subscribe. Tell them to check it out. Uh, Another way you can do that is by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would appreciate that. The second thing is to let us know what you think of the show and what you'd like to see us do. We're planning on doing about 10 or 12 episodes, and we've got some ideas for future shows, but a lot of really great ones have already come from listeners. So if you want to just say hello, drop us a line. A lot of times we just record these. They go out into a void. It's nice to hear what you think or send us your ideas. You can email us through the Artistic Activism website. That's artisticactivism.org. Or contact us through Twitter. We're at arts, A-R-T-S, activism. That's at arts activism. Enjoy the show. We'll be back in about two weeks with a big full episode we are planning now. It is going to be exciting. We're in a wonderful little airport coffee shop uh, because we are doing a workshop here in Cape Town with our uh, activists from all over over Southern Africa that are working on sex work issues. And the decriminalization of sex work. And what we do in our workshops, a regular feature of our workshops, is a pop culture salvage expedition. It's where the very idea came from. And what we do is, one of the nights, we take people out to a top-secret cultural event. Because they're activists, they usually think that we're headed to some sort of a poetry reading or some sort of political lecture, something that's going to be very edifying. But of course, what we do is we take them to some place which actually gets us out of the activist bubble and into the sort of cultural world that non-activists inhabit. Yeah, so with this time, we thought we would make a short pop culture salvage expedition episode around our field trip for the School for Creative Activism. Because it was sex workers and because of the uh, time that we are in right now, We chose one of the most popular movies and series of books that are out in the last uh, year or two. And um, you may have heard of it. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. And we're talking popular. This is a book which actually started out as fan fiction. It was self-published. It was so popular that it got picked up by a publishing company. It has now been translated into 52 language and sells 100, has sold 100 million copies worldwide. As a film, it passed the 500 million mark in worldwide sales this month. And when it came to South Africa, it had the biggest opening night 
release ever in South African history. So we uh, we took these sex workers and sex worker advocates to see the movie because, uh, in our mind, it was a movie about sex and a, a sort of deviant kind of sex yeah, or um, non-normative sex. Yeah, I think non- is what we yeah, say. yeah, um, non-normative sex, and uh, and it's something that's crossed over the mainstream, right? So somehow in this movie, they've presented something that in the mainstream would be seen as deviant or non-normative. But um, it's okay, and it's it's you know read and, and viewed by millions of people. And this is very important to sex work because what the sex workers are trying to do is they're trying to normalize sex work, and they're trying to talk to people about sex who are often very uncomfortable about things like sex work and about thinking about sex as work with labor rights and what have you. And human rights. And human rights. And so we thought that this was a really interesting opportunity to see how non-normative sex has gone mainstream. But I think they need to know, for those people that haven't either read Fifty Shades of Grey or seen Fifty Shades of Grey, they need a brief plot synopsis. So Steve, yeah, can you yeah. lay it out? Well, there's a girl named Anastasia Steele who um, likes to bite her lip a lot. And uh, she goes to interview the big uh it's never clear what business yeah. he I is he in. never works he is in business he's a businessman a very young successful businessman that does business type things in business suits and, and his, drives fancy cars and his name is christian gray and he's incredible success incredibly successful at this business which Whatever. they may have said but they never go back to and it's totally unimportant exactly so what's, what's she's a, a college student and she goes to um Interview him. Very, very, do something very similar to what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm biting my lip right now. Um, and so they go to interview, uh, or she goes to interview him, and they hit it off. And uh, he reluctantly engages in this relationship with her while warning her that he, she's not the man for her. He's no good. Yeah. And, and to stay away. And then, you know, of course, he brings her closer. And it's, you know, that's 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and is. then they, uh, oh, and he's into... Um, S&M. Yeah, that's S&M. a big part of this. Yeah, I forgot that part. <laughs> right. So that comes out. And, and yeah, he seems to have a dungeon in his, in his apartment. Yeah. Oh, and then it's revealed that Anastasia Steele is a virgin. Oh, yes. Which was a weird... It's a weird twist. I actually think that that's part of it. It also comes out later that why he's into S and M is because he was abused as a young man, and he oh, was yes. actually an character orphan. development. Yes, and and actually, I think those things are really important. Um, yeah. But before we get into that, to finish the rest of the story, you probably guessed it is that they sort of fall in love. Uh, he resists love because he believes that sex is just sex, and. She try, he tries to educate her in the ways of non-normative sexuality as she educates him in the ways of love. Um, and then it ends rather abruptly. Um, yeah, well, it gets really awkward. She, he shows him... No spoiler alert. Okay, okay. No spoilers. Yeah, well, have no, there, to are gonna, the there are going to be spoilers oh, there are in this. Spoilers. Yeah, we're okay. going to have to. So if you want to know, if you want to live through this the way that we did, you should stop this yeah. now. Go watch this movie, although I don't recommend it. I mean, what's interesting about this film is that it's not very good. Yeah. Um, and supposedly the books are not very well written. It's basically a romance novel, mm-hmm. um, the same structure of the romance novel, but you take out the pirate 
and you put in this S&M business guy, and it basically works the same. Uh, rough he, guy. He's dangerous. He, we don't understand him. And he's won over by... Knowing is connecting with him. And he's won over by a woman who... Who's innocent. Yes, with the power of love, and turns him from whatever he was, pirating, business, or whatever that thing. Barbarian. Barbarianism, and towards the, the power of love. Now, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about what we think about it, but also a lot of our thoughts are very influenced by the sex workers we work with. We had a great discussion with them. Um, they didn't want to be on tape because they're using their names, and a lot of them are, are active sex workers. Um, and so, But we took down a lot of notes. And so let's share with people, like, what are some of the insights these folks had? So the one that I took away that was huge was that Anastasia Steele is a surrogate for the audience, like a, a, um, a normative audience, right? So um, she is our guide through this world. And while for you know many people the idea of violence and sex going together would be unusual, uncomfortable, um, she's there to ask the questions that we would ask. Like, well, what does that mean? Why does this happen? Do you really like it? Do I, am I going to like it? What if I'm uncomfortable? How do we stop it? Like all the sort of questions that would come up for an average person, eventually she asks. And how might we use that in activism, Steve? Well, I love this because it's, um, a lot of times, like, you know, I came as an outsider to the work we were doing here in Cape Town. The S&M work? No, no, no. You're an insider there, right? So one of the things coming to Cape Town and to the to working with these sex workers as an outsider, for me, was understanding the relationship between human rights and sex work. And one of the big revelations uh, for me or the that was initially explained to me getting here was that when you uh, criminalize any part of sex work, you drive it underground. And the people that that affects the most is sex workers because it puts them in more danger. Um, It makes their relationship to the police a a tense one. In order to understand that, that's, that makes sense, you know, like, and as I was able to ask more questions, it all kind of comes together, but I'm coming from the outside and the people that we were working with are insiders. You know, they're, they're, some of them are sex workers themselves. Some of them have been working as advocates for them for years. Um, and, and so they know this stuff inside and out. And there's a, a perspective that is taken for granted. Um, because everyone they talk to comes from, that, um, comes from that perspective or comes with that sort of set of beliefs. So Anastasia Steele, as a outsider right and and she's asking these questions in the movie allows us as outsiders in the audience to kind of understand and and understand the characters understand what's happening and so you're saying that as activists one of the things we have to remember is that most people are coming into our activity as outsiders and they need things explained to them these things make sense to us but we need a guide we need someone like anastasia seal Steel to introduce us to the non-normative practices of activism. You need someone asking and answering dumb questions. 
you know, because like otherwise we would have won already. If, if those answers were obvious, there would be no fight. There'd be no struggle, right? So, um, so having somebody that, that can walk a newcomer through in a really understanding and empathetic way and not judge them because they don't believe what you believe already, but just understand they need, they need a guide in order to go into this new territory. That was one of the, the big um, lessons for me. I think one of the things I learned was that you can wrap the most non-normative topic within the most normative structure and make it palatable. And what I mean by that is that on the one hand, Fifty Shades of Grey is about uh, S&M and pretty explicit S&M practices and certainly sexuality which is outside the norm for most people or at least outside the norm for discussion amongst most people. (laughs) But if you wrap it in what's essentially the structure of a romance novel, and you wrap it in sort of ways that the audience can make sense of what's happening, she's interested in him because he's wealthy. She's interested in him because he flies helicopters. He's interested in her because she's innocent. We have seen that story played out thousands upon thousands of times. And so... What this does is it takes a very familiar story and then adds this other twist. And because there's a combination of both the familiar and the unfamiliar, the audience can take it in in a way that other films which dealt with this material would be impossible. I mean, you get a film director like Lars von Trier who deals with the same sort of stuff, um, but it's not wrapped in any pre-dup package, and so it's actually unwatchable for most people. It's just too brutal. It's too outsider, and so made me think about as an activist that we can actually broach very serious topics, very t- topics which most people don't want to talk about, if we can give some sort of a context which is also familiar to people so they feel safe in that space because what's being created in a movie theater is a safe space to engage with um, perhaps unsafe ideas for most people yeah I think uh, that if you you can broaden that even not to um, content but even the format right so I know if I go to a movie that's been released Main, like across the world, um, that this is not going to be that bad, right? Like Lars von Trier's movies go into limited release, right? And so I knew going into that movie that it was going to be, you know, sex and whatever. There might be some awkward stuff, and there were going to be these, you know, I, I had heard about it already, so I knew it was going to involve S and M, but um, you know, how bad could it be if it's a mainstream movie, right? And I also know that at the end of an hour and a half, or actually it was over two hours, it's done, and I can leave. And, um, and, I, and I, so, so there's something about that format. Um, also, whenever, the last time I saw, I think it was, uh, what was that? The horror movie where they're in the woods. Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project, right? Really, if you see that movie and allow yourself to get lost in it, it's pretty intense and pretty scary. And when I was in the theater, the way that I would um, get myself back out of it was to look around the theater at the audience, at all the other people that were freaked out, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in a movie, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it allowed myself, me to get perspective. Yeah. 
And I think that could be really useful too to people that are trying to talk about difficult subjects to to let people know that there's limits, that it's only going to get so bad. Like, you know, this will be difficult, but there will be an end and that they're not going to get drawn into a conversation or an experience that lasts an undetermined amount of time that could go much further than they're comfortable with. And one of the other things that we actually do in our workshops is we always end with an action. And this action was no different. The action was a lot of moving parts. But I think one of the parts of it, which actually speaks to what we were just talking about, Steve, is that we went to a public park and we had a, a booth set up. And above the booth, bright orange, it said, ask a sex worker. And one of the sex workers, who's this amazingly charismatic woman, um, sat behind the desk. And it was a brilliant, beautiful blue day. People were roller skating and walking by on the promenade. There's bright grass um, for all around. And then there's this very friendly woman behind this bright orange table with a large banner over the top that's saying, Ask a Sex Worker. And what was amazing is how many people came up and talked to her. And a lot of that had to do with it was actually a safe space. It was a safe place. It was meeting people halfway. This is a very awkward thing. I don't know about this, but I know I can always leave. I've also seen a booth like this. In fact, we got the idea from the booth from a street fair in South Africa where it said, ask a scientist. And so people were familiar with, oh, I understand this idea. Never happened with a sex worker before, but I get it. And because I get it, I feel safe enough to go up and talk to a sex worker about all sorts of things like, what are your labor rights like? Or things like, what is it like to raise a family on sex work? Which, if you encounter a sex worker on a dark street, on a corner, when they're out working, you would never do that sort of thing. And so, again, it's about you can deal with all sorts of controversial topics, but understand that people need to have enough of a clue of what's happening, how they can get out of it, and also sort of a familiar format so they feel like they're somewhat in control. And I know you're going to make a pun about S&M there, but, you know, try to restrain yourselves. Not me, not me. Um, well, yeah, I'm make a I, I hadn't I hadn't made that connection actually to the work that we did just a couple of days ago in making that booth. But I think that's a really great example, like you know how dangerous can or how uncomfortable can our discussion get while we're in the park on a sunny day, and I can walk away at any point. You know, one of the things that I found interesting about that. Um, was that I asked her at the end, what did people talk to you about? And she said, well, we talked about human rights. We talked about this tragedy that happened a few years ago that we were connecting the action to. It was all on topic for the, the points that we were trying to make. Um, and, and at the end, uh, you know, I said, oh, great, great. And she said, yeah, nobody asked about sex. Yeah. And uh, that I don't, I don't know what that, if that means that they're uncomfortable or that that just naturally did not seem to be the most relevant topic but I think that would be a fear of people is like oh I don't have awkward conversation you know and in the end it turned out that that wasn't the case there's one scene in particular that a lot of the sex work activists that we worked with were really intrigued by and it was a scene in which Anastasia and Christian sit down and make up a contract about what their sexual relations going to be like, and it's it's, it's a fascinating um, scene because it's about 
understanding sexuality and sexual relations as a consensual contract between two people. And, you know, as a scene, it's sort of, you know, full of tension because he wants her to do all these things. And she actually starts to show her mettle by striking out parts of the contract. And there's little jokes that they throw into. Exactly. And, you know, okay, so it's a scene. But what was what the sex workers drew upon is like, wow, we can actually use this because we are engaging in a contract with our clients. The problem is because we are not decriminalized, it's not a legal contract. But this normalized the idea of a legal contract between people around sex. And the value of that. Yeah. And they came up with lots of great ideas for actions around, you know, actually doing a spoof on it, um, where it's actually just a, a John and a sex worker sitting down and writing out a contract. Yeah. Um, but I think that what was interesting about that is that they realized that what seems to be a very hard topic to talk to legislators about, um, to go lobby government officials about, has already been picked up by popular culture and normalized. Again, it's normalized in this context because it's a fantasy. But it also demonstrates that deep down, what we think of as super radical ideas maybe aren't that radical at all. Yeah, and then you know, getting away, I guess, maybe from from the workshop content and what we were trying to do there. But for me, seeing the movie in that context and that whole scene with the contract, like I couldn't help but project the topics we were talking about around sex work and, and kind of imagining like, or asking myself, is Anastasia a sex worker? Because she's being offered um, housing, um, she, her her broken things get fixed, like kind of automatically. She's given you know rides here and there. They replace her car with a nice new car. I mean, she gets a car, yeah. a brand new car, right? So, like, wh- what's what's this relationship really? And is she a sex worker? But but you know, she, then I would realize, oh, but she don't, she's not negotiating her payment, and that that level of control is actually controlled by. Christian, who who not only decides, you know, the terms of the contract, although that gets negotiated, but th- what the payment is is never negotiated. Well, we don't know because we haven't yeah. read the second, third books, or we haven't yet been treated to the second or third movies. I think that contract is going to be renegotiated over the next two movies. Of course, and it's going to it's it's, yeah. it's going to be about the triumph of love. We of know course. how it's going yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still think. But you it's know, so close to like I mean it's so close I might to be work. just bringing the workshop content to it. I definitely am. Yeah. But that movie is so close to what we were talking about with those sex workers and what and and that contract, that right. negotiation, that exchange. Yeah. It is sex work. And it's <laughs> and it's okay. And it's be- a, mo- a mainstream movie. movie. Exactly. Yeah. So Steve, I think they're calling our flight. Yeah, we gotta go. So from New York next time. Bye-bye. Go watch some movies.